the question today is, can people change? Can people grow? There's a common saying that, no, that just can't happen. And today we are taking that saying and we are blowing it up. I've found most people want to grow. Most people, if they need to change, they want to change. And three problems, people don't really know what true growth is. Second, we don't really know how to grow. And then third, we don't want to do what it takes to grow. So when the Bible talks about this word sin, it means many things. One of the things it means is to miss the mark. It's like an archery term. And so you pull back the arrow and you miss the mark. So why do you miss the mark? Well, one, you could be aiming at the wrong target, which is to not know what true growth is. Or you might not know how to aim, and this is to not know the process of growth. Or you have a great teacher next to you and you're not listening to the teacher. I'm not talking about me, I'm talking about God. And that is to not do what it takes to grow. Today, we are looking at what the Bible calls sanctification. Becoming who you're meant to become, to pull back the arrow and hit the mark more and more, to get closer more and more to that mark, to have this version of you that you're one day meant to become and to get closer to that version. So what this is, here's the picture. It's a voyage across the sea facing all of these perils to come back changed. It's the journey up the mountain to come back different. It's it's to go into the darkness. And when all hope seems lost, you find a great light and you come out of that darkness shining brightly. It's to go out into the wilderness and to meet someone you did not expect to meet. And in meeting them, you come back home different. Something about you's changed. We're in our series called The Gospel. This word gospel, the word means good news. It means grand news. It means this is the most wonderful thing that you have ever heard in your life. It's news about God that he's come down into the world, that he's died on the cross, that he has risen and that one day he will return. It's news that there is hope. It's news that you've been forgiven. It's news about a love that will shock you, but it's also news about something that God is doing right now. Not just around you, but specifically today in you. Sanctification. And what we've been saying is that the gospel is not just a diamond, but it's a whole diamond mine. And you enter into this mine and you see the beauties of all of these diamonds. And each diamond represents a shard of Christ, a part of who he is, what he's done, and what he's doing right now. And the diamond that we're looking at today is sanctification, and it has been the most important diamond for me over the last couple of years. It's the one I've needed the most. It's the diamond that says God will not waste your trials, your pain, your suffering, your loss. It will not go wasted, but it will transform you. It's the diamond that says even your insecurities, your broken heart, your losses, your failure, God will use those to change you from the inside out. Like a phoenix reborn out of the ashes. Here's our verse today. 2 Corinthians 3.18 And we all, with unveiled face, 
beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. All right, first point, understanding sanctification. So the Bible talks about sanctification in a couple ways. One way is that you are being purified, you are being cleaned out. The other way it talks about sanctification is something that's more progressive. It's you being continually changed over and over again from one degree of glory to the next. So our verse says, as we behold, we see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, we are being transformed from one degree of glory to another. Now, it says that we are unveiled. This is making reference to Moses. So Moses goes up to the top of the mountain. And up there, he meets God in a way he never has before. And he sees the glory of God. And he begins to shine brightly, his face. And so what he does is he puts a veil over his face because, well, he's just encountered the glory of God. So he comes down with a veil so that he does not terrify his fellow Israelites. But it says different about you. It says you have beheld the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ and the veil is gone. So you come down the mountain, shining the glory of God for all to see. That means that the world around you sees that you've just had an encounter with God. The world around you sees that you have been changed by him. So the question becomes, do the people in your life that are closest to you see real change happening? And if not... It's because you're not beholding the glory of God, because that is what transforms you, his glory, seeing it. So the question today, the key question, the heart of the matter is, how do you behold the glory of God? And the answer we find a few verses later into the next chapter, 2 Corinthians 4, verses 3 and 4, it says, you want to behold the glory of God? I'll tell you how. Look into the gospel. Look into the good news. Enter into the diamond mine and explore and explore. Look at Jesus. Look at who he is, what he's done, what it means. Just keep on exploring. And when you do, you will behold the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Because you can't separate him from the good news. They go together. And so you enter into the diamond mine. To become captivated by his beauty. To become shocked by his love. And to find something that you have been missing for too long. You come out of that mind shining. Now, I want to get very practical here with you. So, a couple weeks ago, we uncovered an error that people often make before they become Christians. They think that to become a Christian, the way to become a Christian is by trying hard to be good. And we said, no, 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 no. To become a Christian is not about you, you being good. It's about seeing Christ's goodness credited to you. In other words, it's about faith. Now, many of you are making the same mistake when it comes to your transformation, when it comes to your growth. You think that you become a Christian by faith, but then you grow by trying harder. And that is a very tragic error because you become a Christian by faith and you grow by faith. Faith. 
You grow by entering the diamond mine and challenging yourself, looking around, saying, why am I not captivated by the beauty of who he is and what he's done? Why does God feel dull to me right now? This seems like it should not be the case. And so you wrestle with God. You challenge yourself. You fight to understand why you're not seeing his beauty. And you keep looking at all these shards, all these diamonds. And you will not leave the diamond mine until you see his beauty. And then you come out changed. Because you have to see his beauty. So that means you, if, if you want to change, you've got to keep going into the diamond mine. You have to understand that the gospel is simple enough for a child to understand. But so profound that the greatest minds can go into, into that mine and continue to discover new rooms that have never been seen. And to go into those rooms and struggle to discover the the depth of who God is and what he's done and the heights of his love, and then to realize these great minds are only scratching the surface of the depth of the gospel. So that means that the gospel, it's not something that you graduate from. It's something you're constantly being schooled by. It's not the ABCs, it's the A through Zs. The gospel becomes your mentor, your guide, your hero, because the gospel is a person. The good news is Jesus. You cannot separate the gospel from him. To follow him is to follow after the good news. To see him is to see the beauty of this news. And the problem that we have is we spend too much time outside of the diamond mine. Is our second point, the rhythms of sanctification. The idea here is you walk into the diamond mine. You see the greatness of the gospel and you walk out carrying those truths in your mind and your heart. And as you leave out on this adventure to face whatever's before you in the day, in the week, you're holding on to these truths. But what happens is over time, the glowing face that you have begins to fade. The shine begins to get lost a little bit. And you begin to forget all the greatness of what was found in that diamond mine. Now, what happened? Well, there's nothing wrong with what's in the diamond mine. It's what's wrong with our hearts. We are too easily forgetful about what we encountered in the mine. And so we have to go back in. And this is what God calls rhythms of grace or means of grace. So in the book of Hebrews... It says, don't fail to meet together as is the habit of some. And what he's saying is, when you come here on a Sunday morning, you are brought into the diamond mine. Together, we all go in and we're exploring together. And I'm pulling down a diamond. I'm like, look at this one. Look at all the different ways you can see it. And then afterwards, you guys start talking. You're like, oh, did you hear what he missed, though? What about this part of the diamond? And you're like, oh, I didn't think about that when he said that. And this just keeps on happening. And it goes on throughout the week. You're coming into the diamond mine. And then this, this idea of the Lord's Supper, communion. Oh, man, we have... The, the beauty of what it is, I think we miss it so much. So the sacraments are the visible words of the gospel. So what happens is you actually get to see the gospel, this good news being acted out, but not from a distance because you go in and participate in it. 
So when you enter into the sacrament, you enter into the things that you're doing, like the Lord's Supper, you're actually seeing yourself written into the story. And so you get to look around and see what God is doing, and then you're changed by it. Or you go and and you meet with your friends throughout the week in your discipleship groups. So this is the place where iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. So I'll tell you, if you don't want to grow in your life, you better stay far away from discipleship groups because that's the way, that's the place where you're refined, where you're changed, where you come out like gold. And don't expect it to happen overnight. It's going to be a long process of fighting for your friends and them fighting for you to become more of who you're made to become. It's a long process. And, or it's just simply eating with your friends. Now, look, why are people so important for your change, for your transformation? Well, if you don't get it, it's because you don't know what you are. So the Bible describes humanity as the image of God. And that means that you are like a living, breathing mirror. So, so you imagine in a room, there's a light. Now, if you take that mirror and put it right next to that light, well, you know what you have now? You have two lights. Well, if you get six people into the room and the one light of Christ is coming in and you have a bunch of mirrors in there, well, the light, that, that room is shining brightly because now you've got like six lights. And then each person across from the other is seeing the glory of God reflecting down upon them, the light, and it's hitting them and bouncing off of them to the other person. So it's like you don't just have six lights. You have all the lights working together, shining back at each other to shine in this room so brightly that it's almost blinding. Now, if you're thinking, I don't really experience something like that with my friends. Well, it could very well be that you and your friends aren't beholding the glory of God enough. So go back into the diamond mine and go together and encounter his beauty and do it together. And then, well... You become a city on a hill, as Jesus describes it. People help you grow. And as I look back in my years of ministry, which I guess aren't a lot, but I do have some gray hairs, what what I have seen is that the people who grow the most are those who don't fail to meet together. They make non-negotiable, Sunday morning, a non-negotiable. They make their discipleship groups a non-negotiable. The early church met together daily in the temple or in homes. They would not fail to meet together. You know, in America, in the American church, we struggle, all right, I got the boat, I got the beach, it's a beautiful day, or I've got church on Sunday mornings. All right, my family, we're just exhausted. Like, we worked so hard this week, Can we just take a week off? The church across on the other side of the world, when they meet, they have to meet in secret. And they meet in secret because, well, they'll be killed if they are found meeting, but they continue to meet. So I read this a couple weeks ago. This just happened a few weeks ago. There was a church that was in hiding in Afghanistan. And there was someone on the phone with this church right when they were all martyred, killed. And here are the last words that were spoken over the phone. The church said to the person on the phone, We feel your prayers. 
because the supernatural boldness came over us and we were singing in the spirit. Even the kids said, Mom, we will not deny Jesus. And then as they were on the phone, they heard screaming and gunshots. Now the person who was on the phone said this in the report, God is so powerful, they went to be with their creator filled with joy. Now, they have something that I think very few of us ever really find in the American church. They would not fail to meet together, and it's because they saw that they needed it so badly. And they needed to get in a room with all of these people who were shining brightly the glory of God back upon them. And that room was probably shining brightly of the glory of Christ when all of this happened. Why would they put their lives in jeopardy like this? Well, apparently, for some reason, they found something that told them it was important for them to do, and they would not fail to meet together. And that brings us to understanding the gospel and this this equation where you take faith in the gospel and you take rhythms that bring you into the diamond mine, and then you take trials, and it brings about transformation. So faith in the gospel, rhythms of the gospel, plus, plus transformation will transform you. So... This is our third point, the path towards sanctification. Trials. They will make you reach to him for strength because you become very aware of your weakness in the middle of your trial. And when you do, something about him, the strength of him, will begin to rumble up inside of you like an earthquake until it breaks you and the glory of him comes shining out of you. So trials will break you. And that's how God gets in, and then the earthquake begins, and then his glory shines out. And this is everywhere in the New Testament. The beginning of the book of James, he says, Count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. Why? Because the trials are transforming you. The beginning of 1 Peter, don't be surprised when you suffer in this world. That's what life in this world is. But that suffering is revealing what you are. In other words, suffering only will make you more beautiful, more transformed, more from one degree of glory to the next. And then the book, entire book of Philippians. It's about going all in with Christ and then receiving strength from him so you are strong and brave as you face the trials that are before you. It's like the world throws you into the darkness But there in the darkness is where you find the treasure. There's something about suffering that makes us find God in a greater way. And you come out of that darkness transformed. King David, he always seems to be singing these songs about how his enemies are pursuing him. And as they're pursuing him, he reaches for God and he finds strength. It's while facing Goliath that you find strength. So so this is how it happens. Goliath, there's David. David's not representing you. David's representing Christ. So you watch as he fights against your great enemy of sin and death and evil. Everything that stands against you. But over time, as you grow, you join him out on the battlefield. See, there's a few errors that people make. First, they say, well... David is me. No, David is Christ. However, they say, okay, David is only Christ. Well, no, because you are becoming more like Christ, over time, you begin to look more like him, and then you begin to join him. 
Practically speaking, there are people in your life who are your enemies. Some of those are the people who are sitting right next to you. Now, I mean that in a nice way. I mean that oftentimes the people that we love most hurt us the most. And when that happens, we go in search for something. We go into the diamond mine. And it's there in the mind that we discover actually that Christ is the love we're truly chasing after. And we come out of the diamond mind transformed anew. Or even like real enemies, people that you work with that are against you, they can drive you into the diamond mine if you will let them. You see what's happening here. God will take anything and use it to get you to go discover him. He wants you, so go meet him in there. And, okay, so the trials come, the pain, the suffering, the loss comes, the heartbreak comes, the failure comes. In those moments, that is when you need your friends the most who are shining brightly the glory of God. So here's what I see often with people. They go through a struggle, and they lock themselves up in a dark room, and they just wait for their friends to come and find them. They will not find you. You have to call out to them. They have no idea where you are. You're in the dark. Tell them what's going on in your life, and when you do, then they can shine brightly the glory of God that's found in the face of Jesus Christ in the good news of the gospel. You need your friends. Our friends help us to not just remember the gospel, not just embrace it, but to experience it. But still, the experience is not where it ends. The experience will drive you to do something. When you experience the gospel, it will drive you to worship God. And it's at that moment, in the middle of worship, I'm not talking about what you're doing right now. I'm not talking about sitting here. I'm just talking about in a moment where you're raptured up into seeing the beauty of God. And when that happens, you do the thing that at its core causes you to be transformed. You want to know what it is? Death of self. Here's what happens. You enter into this diamond mine and you are raptured up to see the glory and the beauty and the worth of God. And it is so amazing that for once you're finally freed of thinking about yourself all the time. You're not thinking more of yourself or less of yourself. You're just not thinking of yourself. You don't think you're amazing. You don't think you're horrible. Your attention has been brought to something far more amazing, and you can't take your eyes off of it. And finally, you have the freedom to stop obsessing over yourself. And when that happens, that's the moment. That's when you're in the middle of transformation. You know, great efforts are made by preachers to try to get you to remember what they say little acronyms, little catchy phrases. I, I don't care about that. Like, I do. I want you to remember what I say. But you know what I care about? That you are drawn up into worship. Because you remembering a little catchy phrase that I said on Wednesday is not going to help you in the midst of your trials. You worshiping here today is going to be what strengthens you. Now, maybe the combination of remembering and worshiping. So remembrance is a good thing, right? We want to remember the gospel and bring it with us. But just remembering the words of the gospel, it is not enough. There's a lot of people who know the gospel very well, but lack the power that comes with it because, well, they just know it. They're not experiencing it. 
So I care more about you being go, go into the room and encounter the beauty of God than just walking into the room and taking some notes about, well, that's what the gospel is. Now, if you're a leader, it's really good for you to know what the gospel is. But it's more important that you're worshiping, and then in that worship, you are fueled to speak these great words. Worship is what will give you joy in the midst of a trial, in the midst of pain, in the midst of loss. Worship is what will give you peace when there is war all around you. Worship is something that you do in the way that you live your life, but it's first something you are swept up into. And if you were never swept up into worship, then all that you do is modify your behavior. All that you do is manipulate the things that you do. You're not being changed from the inside out. You're simply just polishing up something that on the outside is not so great. So worship is a choice. But the choice looks like this. You have found someone so wonderful, so amazing, so breathtaking that you can't take your eyes off of him. And as you stare upon him, you are experiencing the beauty of him. And then you make the choice to chain yourself to him because he knows what is so good for you. You trust him more than you trust yourself. He loves you more than you love yourself. He is more glorious than you. He's more wonderful than you. And you say, I'm chaining myself to you. And when you do that, it transforms you, makes you more glorious, makes you more lovely from one degree of glory to the next. It's like, this, you know, we get so obsessed with change and transformation and growth, and we just watch it. We're like, come on, change, 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 and it doesn't happen because you're so focused on your change. And if you would just take your eyes off of yourself and put them on the glory of God and the face of Jesus Christ, you will find yourself being transformed. Seek transformation as your main goal, and it will not happen. Seek Christ and transformation will follow. Always. It might not look the way that you want, but this is so much bigger than behavior modification. And most of us, I promise you we're doing it, we're watching our little actions and we're like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. But we're not actually changing. We're just manipulating the outside of us. We gotta go to him. You have to come back from the voyage of where you've met him. You've got to come down from the mountain changed. You've got to enter into the trial and see that you're coming out like gold. Because it was there that you met him. And there you lost yourself in him. And by doing that, you became more of the version that you're made to become. Because you got lost in him. Lost in the one who took the voyage across the seas of time. Traveled between the chasm between heaven and earth. And came into a world that was filled with selfishness. And there, in this world of selfishness, he saw, showed us a different way to live. A new way to be human. And then he went up to the top of the mountain. The mountain of Calvary. And there on that mountain, he died upon the cross. But then he rose. He was like the ultimate phoenix who came up out of the ashes of his death. And now, look up upon the mountain. He is there in all of his glory. Look at him. 
but it's not, it's not complete. Because right now you still see him dimly. He's still a little bit veiled. But there will come a day when he comes down from the mountain. And he returns. And when he does, you will see him as he is. And in an instant, you will be changed. And become the ultimate version of you. Why? What has happened by seeing him? Well, he's rumbled up something within you. This new self within you gets pulled all the way out when he comes, when you see him. And when that happens, your old self is dead. And your new self is showing brightly. And and until that day... We keep together going into that diamond vine so we could behold his glory and be transformed from one degree of glory to the next. Let's pray. God, in your goodness, you sent your son. And we want to enter into the diamond mine to see all the beauty of who you are, Jesus. We want to be raptured up into your glory by beholding you through the gospel. So help us learn to explore and dig deeper into new places we have yet gone. Adventuring in to find you our Savior in a new way. So we might be raptured up into worship. So that ultimately by that happening we might be changed. We need your help in this God so please help us. In Jesus name we pray. Amen.